Design Conversations is a podcast series presented by myself, Jeff Fitzpatrick, containing recorded conversations with preeminent Australian designers across a series of design disciplines. And if not designers, then those who have had integral roles in Australian design. The series is aimed at preserving an oral history and an archive of mid-century design undertakings and to provide an understanding of what it has taken to achieve some of the amazing outcomes in Australian design history. To learn more about the guests and my background, visit designconversations.net. began his design career with General Motors Corporation Holden in 1965 as a designer. In 1966, he was sent to a General Motors Technical Center in Detroit for six months internship, participating in learning the latest creative design activities. He became assistant chief designer for General Motors Holden Australia from 1967 to 1969 and Philip was a key contributor to the contemporary HQ series of vehicles and the Toyota GTRX. From 1969 to 1981, he was chief designer in both Australia and Germany, responsible for the UCLX, Australia's first hatchback, along with uh, several other models, including the Ascona 500 rally model for Europe. Philip was appointed the first Australian design director from 1983 until 1998, during which period Holden Design Australia became one of the most cost-effective automotive design units in the world. He moved to Detroit in 1995 as general manager of the mid-luxury car division of Holden GM International Operation USA, leading and contributing to future design programs primarily the Global Rear-Wheel Drive Program. In 1998 to 2001, he moved to Shanghai as the first Director of Design and Portfolio Management the GM and Shanghai Automotive Industry Joint Venture Design Unit, known as PATAC, Pan-Asia Technical Automotive Center. Today, this design unit is second inside the GM Detroit, providing design services to GM and SEAC. He retired from his corporate career in 2002 to become an independent design consultant. Well, Phil, welcome to the Design Conversation. Thanks, Jeff, and thanks for that kind introduction. <laughs> That's okay, not at all. Well, it's been an extraordinary career, uh, mate. It really has, and... Uh, uh, a very notable one and uh, extraordinarily contributory. But I just thought we might, in our in our chat today, uh, go back to uh, to first principles and talk a little bit about your uh, your childhood and uh, where and uh, when you grew up. Okay, Jeff. Uh, I was born in Brighton in the 1943, uh, just in the middle of the war, Second World War, and. Yep. Um, I don't remember much of that, of course, but I do recall <laughs> okay. my, my early years, which um, were all spent in Beansdale in uh, Gippsland, Victoria, uh, with my parents and sometimes my grandparents, as uh, my grandfather, who had started a manufacturing, a clothing manufacturing business in the mid-30s, 
was requested by the government to establish a uh, clothing um, grey coat manufacturer in Bend. Oh, well, a, a lovely part of the world. A lovely yeah. part of the world and, and not about uh, test ground for grey coats either in the winter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, that was my early recollection of life and also um, that's where I um, became involved with cars to some extent because my father and grandfather always had quite nice uh, American cars that they needed to come up and down from um, from Bensdale to Melbourne and sometimes they were bringing goods with them on a trailer um, or to see um, various business people. So quite often, uh, or probably at least once a month, we travelled back and forth to Melbourne. So I I got to um, know a lot about a car, especially in the back seat of one. <laughs> well, good early training. You did start yeah. young. <laughs> yeah. So uh, <clears throat> that was in uh, in your year, early years. Uh, where did you Where did you go to school? Just the local schools in Bensdale? I went to the. I started out in Bensdale State School, as in fact, and then um, I went to a number of different schools. And we came back to Melbourne, and eventually I went on to the Caulfield Tech. And I, I went and I did uh, first year engineering there, and I okay. decided that, that wasn't um, for me. It was, it was too theoretical and not enough practice. Where, but I had been introduced to uh, a new field called industrial design, which no one knew much about. Uh, and although that came about from my hobby of making models and um, sketching and modeling cars uh, when I was. Uh, in my early teens, so okay. um, that's how all that got started. Yes, well, I guess Caulfield Tech was a good grounding, and uh, yeah. yeah, to later on, and and I guess from there you you mentioned industrial design, so you um, you uh, moved from uh, from there on to uh, to where to RMA. I moved, moved on in nineteen sixty. I was fortunate um, to be, get a place at um, RMIT in industrial design. And I think our year was the largest intake that they'd ever had up until that point of 11 students. And uh, that was uh, that was quite a milestone. And uh, my main interest was uh, to learn how to draw cars and how to do other products. But, of course, that wasn't always the, uh, what I could do. I had to learn how to do a variety of different products and disciplines, uh, Part uh, from an art background and then also from a trades and engineering background, um, those things were all um, brought together. Okay, well, that uh, that large intake would have been, I suppose, in the 13th year of, uh, of the operation of that design course, um, uh, founded in, uh, in 1947, so not too far yeah. into it, I guess. And... No. Uh, I, I believe you probably would have had, had an encounter with uh, an old mutual friend uh, in uh, Jared Herbst. Yes, Jared Herbst came along um, after the first into the first year, about six months into our first year, um, and with the role of uh, trying to structure the course a bit more and to share some of his uh, European studies and his background, um, and especially the influence of Bauhaus design, and uh, which was quite innovative 
and he had a philosophy which was that he was creating designers for the future to go out and change Australia and change the world. That was it. that was what he thought his mission was, and uh, he tried to impart that all um, uh, practical and uh, also theoretical uh, philosophy uh, down that line. He was a fairly hard taskmaster, as I recall. Yes, he was. Um, uh, that sort of leads us into the point where um, he, he didn't have much time for um, uh, global corporations, a multinational oh. in those days, <laughs> okay. and yeah. uh, especially he didn't have much time for car the car companies and the car industry. Um, and he, he often caught me doing little cartoons of cars and that, and he, and he, he wasn't that really didn't please him. <laughs> however, uh, however, down the track, uh, in my own time, I used to uh, sketch um, various designs and I entered a British car competition and was fortunate after the second trial to win that competition, which um, Jared thought that was a very good thing for the course and um, to get publicity and also to... Um, Establish his credentials as uh, having some good students. So um, he, he went down to the, uh, I think it was the Argus at the time, and um, he, he had a, an article published um, about myself and and his course and winning this competition, which also was good for me because it uh, let a lot of the car companies know that I was interested in this area. Although I had been um, on my own time, um, with my parents' help, been going around to um, Poland and to Ford and um, riding to various um, international brands, um, trying to find out how you became a car designer, or sometimes they were referred to in that time as a stylist rather than <laughs> Tell me about it, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I, I would imagine you possibly became teacher's pet. Well, I don't know about being... Towards the end, um, um, Jared Hurst and I became um, more friendly and um, over the years we had a very um, good relationship. But it was more in my last year um, and also I was fortunate in winning the uh, John Story Scholarship, which I was the first designer from the arts faculty anyway to ever um, get that um, honour and uh, which meant I had to um, front up to the um, RMIT management and convince why they should give it to uh, someone from my background versus an engineering, an architect or uh, one of the other faculty. (laughs) And um, I was pleased, everyone was pleased because it helped me through um, my course and um, I left there with a few dollars in my pocket. Oh, that was excellent. Uh, I have, I didn't have the same encounters with Jared because I was doing interior design at the same time, uh, 1960. And, uh, I think maybe in second year, he, he took the interior design program for uh, ceramics. So, um, so I, uh, I do know what you're talking about. And he was, he was fairly disciplined. <laughs> oh, that was great. So, what happened uh, after the and, and well done on the John Story scholarship? Yeah. Uh, that was significant, of course. And uh, 
So what happened uh, after after that? Okay, well, I, I was came or graduated in uh, late '64, and yep. uh, at that time I was very fortunate. I, I was offered three opportunities. As I earlier said, that I had been uh, in discussions, especially with Holden, who were very interested in um, what I was doing and kept encouraging me actually to go. The, the various key um, managers in, in the design department at home kept saying, oh, look, we, we don't want to hire you now. Go and finish your course and we'll have a talk then. Okay. So, uh, I, I was very lucky uh, I, I, when I graduated, I had three positions that, that I could go to. One was the whole month, and another one was to a consultant to be a junior partner of this consultancy. Claude Courtships and Associates, and just coming on to 21, I thought that was pretty um, fantastic, you know, to be offered such a position. Well, so, junior partnership, certainly, yes. Yeah. So uh, I, went, I, went in, I went into that, um, but uh, after a short time, very short time, I realised uh, it wasn't going to work out because there wasn't continuity of work. And I thought that I really wanted to, I really loved cars, and I should go back and um, have a few words with the Holden people. And Joe Shenanke, who had just come out to Australia in late 64 to be the first uh, director of design um, in Australia from the US, uh, and lead a new design team, um, was very interested in having me join him. So um, he and a few of his key uh, managers um, had a couple of meetings with me and I then decided, no, this is, I'll try this out. This looks like it's where I ought to be. And I was very fortunate that uh, when I went in, I met Joe first day and I said, well, where do you want me, what do you want me to do? He said, you just go into that new studio there, it's empty, got a designer's desk in it there for you and some material. And just draw cars. Okay. Uh, <laughs> hey, I thought, a well, job. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've come to heaven, you know, this, this is spectacular. And, and it really was because uh, so that was the time of the HD Holden just coming out, the EHs and those models, which had all been done in, the, in Australia in an earlier studio, um, were on the road, and the HD well, it had just come up to Australia because it had been in, in the US due to the fact that um, the new design centre was being built and, and new staffing and a restructuring of the design activity was being um, uh, assembled by Joe Shinansky and his team. So I was very fortunate to come in at that time and I was the first uh, graduate I understood why they kept encouraging me to stay, finish the course, because I ended up being the first graduate that they hired in the end of the course, which in reflection uh, over the years, I was very grateful to them that they had the wisdom to do that. Yeah, so that, 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 that's great. So uh, I guess it was um, uh, a very busy period at that time because uh, it spans quite a few years uh, uh, from then, and uh, um, you uh, you uh, contributed uh, and worked on several models. But 
tell me a little bit about uh, about Germany and how that came about. Okay, well, just recap quickly. I started there in early '65 at Holden, and I went yep. over to the States for training program, as you mentioned in the introduction, which led me to uh, work in five different design studios. But then, um, after I came back, I was fortunate to work with an American that had been sent out, John Chanella, who was Joe Chanansky's assistant, and we worked on the uh, finalising of the HK um, cars, and then I went in and worked with him on the HQ sedan and the HQ um, coupe, which is still one of my favourite cars. So I was very fortunate to work with a person like that who had a good feeling for form, line, and, and the total composition of the car. Um, some of these um, uh, disciplines um, uh, today uh, are still worthwhile pursuing. Right. Yep. No, that, uh, that, that, uh, that's a good summation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, 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 and to follow on with your, with your question, I was being lucky in 1978, um, uh, just at the time when the General Holden and General Motors were deciding what would replace the HQ Holden. It was a bit of a hiatus, but the General Motors Corporation wanted to go into an international um, arena and they wanted the, uh, their, their teams of engineers and designers and uh, manufacturing and all the major disciplines to be international people and, and to um, be able to take roles within their current uh, organisation or be uh, trained to take roles in other um, locations. Right, so OK. I was very fortunate to be asked to go to Opal in 78 in exchange with a chap I know, Hadadeo Kadama, uh, who was a Japanese-German chappy, uh, and he came and took my role, and I took his role, and I was in charge at Opal for just over a year of their advanced design studio. One of the responsibilities there was to work on the Opal uh, Corsa, which is a little uh, Opal, and some light years later they were brought into Australia, and that car became the Barina. So it was that size car, and... Concurrent with that, we worked on sports car in, in that studio, and also I worked on the rally car, the Escoma 500, um, which I did a lot of the uh, aerodynamics at Pina Farina and uh, the various graphics and the whole car, how it was tri- uh, tripped up and um, presented, and it was quite a successful European rally car. Great, okay. Uh, <clears throat> so um, uh, a, a rather nice uh, step up and uh, and uh, great projects in uh, in your career. Yeah. So on my return in um, late '79, I then went on to head up the Tirana studio, and I worked on the um, uh, LJs and the LXs and the first uh, hatchback. Uh, I, I did that with Leo Bruno. And, uh, just prior to that, before John Chanel left, I was fortunate having one of my designs selected for the, um, GTRX 
33 special sports cars that were built by Holden but unfortunately never went in production. So I was very familiar with the Tirana um, uh, architecture of the car and uh, that was one of my roles prior to um, 1983 because the first director of design when Leo Puno um, left Australia. Right, okay, right. So if you had to choose any particular projects, uh, what would have been one of your, your most memorable? Well, there's, a, there's a several, but yep. uh, I guess I went on to help Holden uh, work with the team when uh, all the international staff left for the managing director, and uh, we turned the company around in, uh, from 83 onwards into the early 90s, and that was the result in the VL Commodore, and especially the VN Commodore, which we, uh, got it, uh, won a Car of the Year award, and also the T um, Commodore, which won a uh, Car of the Year award as well. And so I was very proud to have been uh, involved in that team and work with the whole company to um, resurrect the uh, brand of Holden Commodore and keep the company afloat and uh, virtually um, see it through. And uh, when I came back from my overseas assignment, later on to even work on the planning and the delivery of the VE Commodore. Right, okay. Uh, did you enjoy your time in Detroit? That was a great experience. Although I'd been going there for many years as the director of design, I'd been going there at least once a year um, from 83 on. Uh, in 1995, I was asked by Holden and uh, GM um, Corporation to come to Detroit and be the... Um, key um, manager for the global rear-wheel drive uh, on the spot, um, particularly uh, to um, manage the architecture of the next whole range of cars. Um, that was the background of the group and any other uh, derivatives or other products related to our uh, international activities. So I did that through... Um, 95 through to uh, late 97, uh, and, and that was great. It was great lifestyle living there, and it's quite a challenge because um, I was also asked to share some of the um, great experiences and wins that our small team in Australia had had um, to keep afloat and to share our management, our design management process, just the integrated design process that our team had uh, worked with me to put together where so we brought in a lot of the uh, computerized um, skills which uh, weren't being used in other divisions and we were one of the first to use them to execute the downstream activities rather than doing things manually as they were had been done for many years. So in that way we could speed up the design um, activity and spend time on the initial concept and also the quality of execution.
and we've, we, we've got a, quite a bit of reputation for that, although when I gave a little talk about how we achieved um, the WH, which is a derivative of the VT, the long wheelbase statement of the proof models, yeah. um, we, uh, we did that in about nine months um, from original brief to the time we released the car, and no one could believe that. But it was because we were very disciplined and we used the uh, latest computing power that we could get our hands on. So, um, but the people in the group weren't particularly um, enthusiastic about how we structured them because it would mean that if they were to do the same at that time, they would have had to um, uh, relocate 200 people or retrain them for another activity. And uh, although some of the union people were interested, the management didn't really appreciate my um, laughter. <laughs> um, but we were very grateful in Australia for, for our experience that the uh, uh, associations and the unions here all came on board and um, worked with us because we'd been told by the managing director at the time that unless we uh, turn the company around, we'll all be looking for a new job anyway. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, so we had no choice. Um, some some incentive there. <laughs> yeah, some incentive. But unfortunately, um, uh, GM decided to do things their own way as they usually do, and uh, things didn't turn out as well as perhaps they hoped or I hoped either. But that's another story, and I'll leave that to them to sort out. <laughs> okay. But... Uh, no. We can go on if you wanted to just to... Well, I was, yeah, I, I was interested um, uh, in your move to uh, to China, uh, moving to Shanghai in uh, 98, I think it was. Yeah. Well, late in, late in um, 98, um, yeah. I, I had been fortunate. My office in Detroit was next door to where the um, China office was just being established. GM thought, and rightly so, that if they were going to be a world uh, car or international car company and have a long-term future, that they had to have a footprint in China because of the potential. It was just phenomenal. So right. I, I remember going to see a presentation put on by a lady by the name of uh, Shirley Young who'd been hired by General Motors uh, as a consultant to work with the Chinese government and um, trying to get a put, they put in the door there and, and get get started. So um, she showed this um, fantastic presentation with it, all the animation of um, uh, sky roads and um, huge uh, um, buildings and roads and bridges and things. It was just like a um, uh, going to Mars <laughs> or going to the moon as far as I was concerned. And I thought, well, this is a challenge. If I could ever get the opportunity, I'd love to have something to do with. So right. I, I was talking to the people in there, and, uh, but I didn't let them know that I was really that interested. But I was trying to find out as much as I could. And at that time, the head of the international operations was Peter Hannenberger, 
who I knew, and I just let it drop one day to him that if, if an opportunity ever came up and you're going to have a design uh, studio or studios there and you wanted someone to uh, go in and help establish it and get it started, uh, it would be, as far as I was concerned, great honour to um, have that um, on my resume. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and uh, he hummed and hard and a few months later he came back and he said, are you still interested in that job? Uh, and I said, yes. Uh, and he said, right, well, take your family when they're in Detroit, take them to Chicago to these various uh, orientation sessions where they had people, Chinese people and other experts from the various universities in Chicago come and talk to us about uh, an assignment in China and some of the challenges we might face and to understand the culture. And uh, I thought this was intriguing. And in um, late uh, 87, my wife and I and my daughter went there on a um, look-see on our way back to Australia for Christmas. And um, we, we decided we would take on the role and I took it on almost immediately and we went back and found ourselves an apartment to live in and then started in the new studio, which was in itself a um, spectacular building from the outside. It was like a big triangle with this word paddock on it, and but inside it was not quite uh, the uh, quality or expectation as the outside um purported to be, but uh, and I inherited a selection of staff um, that the Chinese government and the uh, um, SAC had also that Shanghai Automotive Industry Management had thought might be useful in establishing a design studio. And uh, we had our issues initially and uh, they weren't quite sure why they were there. Uh, and uh, we were given a, a, a task uh, to come up with a design for a China car. And this project had a, a number of facets to it. One was, was to be used as, as the vehicle to um, establish the design capability and train the people. Also, um, to end up as a marketing um, tool for um, GM China um, to see what sort of car, whether the, the Chinese market required. And another opportunity is that GM had some concepts on the manufacturing of, of, the, of a particular space frame technology they wanted to, they thought they could explore because of the labour situation at the time. And the body panels were to be made of a new uh, reinforced plastic that, oh, okay. that GM had um, come up with in, uh, in the US, and they thought this was an ideal opportunity to try out all these things uh, all within this one project. So, um, multifaceted. <laughs> it was a multifaceted task, but um, my. Uh, I was really stretched uh, initially because it meant that uh, for the first few months I was virtually doing most of it 
myself, all the, all the concepts, the basic architecture of the car, um, and working with all the other disciplines that were being established within this technical centre uh, at the same time. And uh, in the end, I had to say to the president of this um, technical centre, uh, if we want to achieve this in a short term, I need to other bring in other international experts of various um, disciplines um, in model making, in um, engineering, and, and so on, and some design skills training to help me. So um, we did that. We brought people, some people from Australia, and a couple of US people, and a few from Europe, and we built this. We had these various team leaders, and they coached the disciplines uh, that we would normally have in a design um, organisation. Uh, I also went out with uh, an American Chinese uh, last to um, a number of the universities and was looking for some young talent, people who are really enthusiastic about cars. And I came across one special guy. Uh, his name was Wong Bing um, from Guangzhou, just that's the back of um, uh, Hong Kong there. And mm -hmm. uh, he'd, be, he, he'd been working uh, on a project car uh, that was pub there was an article published in, in a in a magazine, and I said, "Well, we should hire him." But a lot of people are not aware that uh, China's made up really of a number of separate states or little countries, and for people to travel at that time, and you know, probably much different today, but to travel from Guangzhou to Shanghai, especially to uh, to move there to live there. Uh, meant that you had to have uh, various governments' authorities and approvals. So eventually uh, this chap turned up and we had a nice talk. He spoke excellent English and was extremely enthusiastic. And um, I, I, I collected a few other young designers through this recruiting activity and uh, as well. And uh, Wong Bing went on to become, to take my place some years later after... Um, um, the, the place had expanded several times and uh, has recently gone out and started his own automotive consulting um, studios in Shanghai. So, and, and all of these young people, especially the young ones, uh, have done very, very well, if not still with the organisation at other uh, automotive um, design acting um, outlets within um, China. That was a huge, a huge project, Phil, a huge undertaking because you were, you were director of design and portfolio management, I think was your yeah. title. And, yeah. uh, uh, just such an expansive role and, uh, to, uh, initiate and recruit and uh, do all the things that you did was quite an undertaking. Well, I was there three years, but I guess the key was that with that one designer, which was called Chi Ling, um, was to deliver that car as a running car to the 1999 Shanghai Motor Show. And we did oh, that. Yeah. Yep. So that was the key to it. It was also displayed in the main parade for the 50th anniversary of the People's Republic of China in Beijing the following year. So um, 
they they were very proud of it. Um, the little us Westerners sort of sank into the background a little bit. And right. <laughs> the, the credit went to my Chinese colleagues, but um, I, they worked hard. They deserved a lot of credit. And uh, especially today, they've gone on now and they've, uh, their design studios are all new. They've got um, probably close to five or 600 design staff in a facility of nearly a couple of thousand. And they've got yes. this beautiful new tech center that they've built state-of-the-art with all the latest technology not far from the Shanghai airport. Oh, gosh, okay. So uh, um, you obviously, I, I guess you enjoyed your time in uh, in China? Yes, I did. I, I enjoyed my time in China. I also enjoyed the time uh, in the U.S. because uh, the team in Australia virtually... Uh, through the XP2000, which was a derivative uh, for Buick we did from the Commodores in Australia, which was a uh, proposal for future Buicks in the uh, 1995, which went around the various dealerships in the US. That was also another highlight of my career. But uh, I've been very fortunate um, and uh, to have won um, had the position that I did and uh, two to have worked in all these different countries and work with all these different people and seen them um, progress and I still have a great affection for my colleagues in China and through some co- friends here in uh, Melbourne, uh, Ian Wong who's been involved with Monash I've been a couple of times to their facility Suzhou just outside Shanghai and spoken to these students and um, given one or two lectures at various conferences there um, about the early days but now it's a long time ago and I think that they've got past my early um, um, encouragement for them and there's getting close to uh, world parity uh, I would think with some of the designs I've seen even though most of the designers um have done well. Uh, there's still a number of designers in China who are from other uh, nations, and uh, I guess a lot of them are Australians, and more right. so than any other um, group. So, and who I've had some association with throughout my career, also. Right. Okay. So, so you retired from your corporate career in 2002 and you'd become an independent design consultant over a period. Is that still continuing, Phil? Well, it is. I, I've been, did a little bit of product design and I've had a, um, just prior to the GFC, was working on a, a special sports project with a client. Unfortunately, uh, we built a team. We started the project and, uh, you can get too far into the GFC and his accountants pulled the rug on that one. But oh, uh, <laughs> unfortunate throughout this current um, um, COVID circumstance to be working for a wonderful client whose his dream is to um, do an evolu- evolution of the Holden HQ. He uh, briefed me and, uh, and asked me whether I would help him um, manage and redesign the car as though uh, we were 
going to deliver it today, but it must have all the same characteristics as the original car had because he loves that. So oh. that's, that's still going on. I'm still, well, that's still involved, involved in that. So yes, my hand in something. Um, and and uh, that's that's pleasing um, to be involved with it. And uh, even in, in these difficult times, uh, it slowed down a bit. But uh, hopefully in the next uh, few years, uh, year or so, uh, it will come to a conclusion. Oh, that's, that's terrific, mate. Uh, quickly, a, a comment on the, the development of electric vehicles, perhaps even in Australia. Well, yeah, that's a, I'm rather passionate about them. Not for the, necessarily the reasons that most people are, which is to do with the uh, environment and economy and so on. That's yes. one aspect of it which I take for granted. What interests me is, from an architectural point of view, the yep. fact that the um, people are generally larger in height or taller in height, bigger people than we were 40, 50 years ago. Sure. But, um, space in a car or a vehicle is paramount. And, and I've always thought that um, some of the cars weren't packaged very well. It used to be that most of the American cars were, but they sort of lost their way a bit. And the Europeans and the Japanese... And Koreans have sort of taken over and done an excellent job. Now the Chinese packaging is pretty good. But the thing that an electric car allows you to do is that the, when you're laying out the architecture of the car is that you, you can have more space because you're only end up with a, a series of batteries which um, can be, as time goes on, and they become more proficient and... Um, better designed battery systems, the battery packs will even become smaller. Yep. Um, yep. So for the same, for the power uh, they want to get out of them. And if they only have, they, they only require one motor, but most of them, or a lot of them have two for performance reasons and so on. But it allows the designer a lot more freedom in the interior. And there is a number of brands coming out now. And of course the Tesla has set the benchmark in the sense that the interior space in these cars is wonderful. And so um, I, I, I think that people shouldn't um, disregard uh, the technology um, coming together in this architecture. It, it, it is the way of the future. And uh, I would say by the late uh, 20, 20, 28, something like that, Probably 50 or 60 percent of the cars in the in the more sophisticated countries, um, and I'd like to think Australia will be part of that. Um, will be where will be the main volume will be electric cars. Well, that's that's intriguing and <clears throat> interesting. You you referenced Tesla. I read yeah. only this morning that it's now listed as a, a trillion dollar company. Yeah, it is, and because he's got that momentum, yep. and the uh, some of my colleagues as designers may pick on the design, but I've got to tell you, uh, I, I think that his design um, were when they first came out extremely refreshing, and some people would say, "Oh, you can't do cookie cutter designs, and people will buy various sizes of them." Well, I think he's proven that 
that wrong. Uh, and uh, and all, you know, to give them all the credit they deserve for it. It's a completely different way of thinking. And I guess it's one of the wonderful things that comes out of the USA is that they they've always come up with the technology, and they've been eventually been able to break away from what the norm is. Although it's been 80 years since that's happened, um, and many times. Uh, the traditional uh, or companies, car companies, said that could never happen. A, a new um, startup company could never achieve what it's achieved. But they have, and I think they'll continue doing that. And they've given um, enthusiasm for other organisations and conventional organisations to restructure and rethink what they've been doing in the past because he's the catalyst for it. He's got it on its way. And uh, I, I, I think he's only going to get stronger and stronger. He's certainly not going to um, wither. And, and his uh, strategy, his global strategy, is brilliant. He, he's gone to um, all the countries that are sophisticated, set up a plant. And, um, he's got one, two in the U.S. now, one in China, which is uh, running, doing well. One in Berlin, and I believe he's working with the Indian government to try and turn them around into, uh, from their business point of view, and get started there and bring them along with their middle class people, which is a huge business and opportunity. So if he succeeds in that, uh, that'd be wonderful. No, that's, that's fantastic. It, it, it's certainly, uh, uh, it's moved a long way, Phil, hasn't it? Yeah, it's moved a long way. As far as Australia goes in respect to that, unfortunately, uh, we, we missed the boat. Uh, we could have been like Sweden or some of these other countries if the uh, our policies had been that uh, you had to export 60% and the various corporations that were here were came on the understanding that they could design or manufacture here, but on the basis that they exported 60% of their volume, then we might have had a volume that made sense. Now, I think we can um, be an, an add value to uh, products, um, to various manufacturers, like Israel does, um, for the power systems, um, uh, for the US, and I believe they do it for China and Europe as well. They've come up with some uh, great innovations that have been taken on board. And other countries, some of the European countries have done the same thing. So Australia, um, unfortunately, will move that. Maybe there's an opportunity for coach building or limited craftsman type building certainly because of our dollar, an opportunity for restoration or custom-built cars or research-type vehicles. There are those opportunities. But to be a mainstream manufacturer, uh, I think uh, our time's passed, unfortunately. That's that's really a, a really interesting reflection from uh, from you, Phil, and particularly with your experience and background and authority on the on the industry. So 
thank you for that uh, that oversight. Um, it's been it's been wonderful to talk today. It really has. We've covered a lot of ground, and uh, uh, I've got to thank you for for sharing uh, the story of um, your amazing career in uh, in the area of automotive design. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks for the invitation. I've enjoyed every bit of it. <laughs> <laughs> All right then, mate. Well, we'll talk again soon. And again, okay. thanks once again, Phil. Okay. Bye. Bye. Bye.